I came across a homesteading YouTube channel called Sold the Land, and that really caught my eye with the Sewing Prosperity platform. But the next thing was Jason's story, Jason's connection to homesteading by way of cancer, a cancer journey. So I wanted to reach out, learn more from him on his story, the life principles he's used, and of course, overcoming cancer. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a blue zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. All right, Jason, uh, came across your really awesome uh, YouTube channel and the work you're doing. I just reached out, wanted to have a conversation with uh, you uh, about a lot of things, but, uh, you know, to start, start out, uh, I love how you've documented your journey. I think that is just so, so neat and, uh, adds so much value, but you're, you've got, sow the land, I've got sowing prosperity. Uh, my little boy was diagnosed with stage four cancer when he was five, and then you have a, a cancer story. And so I just kind of wanted to dive in and see, see, you know, that, fundamental level like how did you how did this even start yeah um i appreciate you having me on first of all thank you and uh yeah so for us you know to got to this point where me talking to you uh it started when i had turned 30 years old you know i'm about to turn 45 now and uh i got diagnosed with cancer and you know me and my wife we grew up and born and raised in the los angeles area and, you know, it's just, you know, typical growing up, you know, in California, I guess, uh, you know, standard American diet, uh, standard American way of living, I guess. And, uh, you know, when you get that diagnosis, it kind of just, you know, woke us up. It was like, okay, this is like, that was totally unexpected. Uh, and then that kind of got us to think differently. Like, hey, should we be uh, eating better, healthier, what we should be cutting out, stuff like that. And, you know, I did six months of chemo. I had a Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, stage two. And so it was just six months of chemo and that was it. And I've been in remission ever since. Uh, but it was at that time where it, we started just questioning things. Um, and then we decided like, hey, you know, we never been around um growing food like we didn't i don't think i even knew anyone that grew a tomato plant or had chickens or, or farming or anything like that um so you know we got to a point where the way we're gonna really know what's in our food is if we grow it ourselves and so we had a, a that little backyard and we just decided hey let's just plant let's just see what this looks like we didn't know what it looks like we just bought some plant starts at the local store and put them in the ground and and you know there's something about you know it's very satisfying which i learned right away is you know when you grow something from seed and then you watch it grow and then you pick it and then you cook it and then you eat it together with your family at the dinner table 
that's like wow that just like man that's what we fell in love with you know and so at the same time as we're figuring that out it um you know i had an office job you know uh nine to five uh, i was a, a computer drafter like engineering architectural stuff and my wife she was in the fashion industry so she would drive three hours into traffic into la every day and you know that got she got tired of that you know and me being in an office job for you know when we left 17 years of doing the same thing over and over again just behind a desk in a cubicle you know those things we started to question like is this making us happy is this you know we you know we went to college had a careers and you know we we were doing everything that we were told that you should do you know, the, the, buy the house with the white picket fence, you know, get married, <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, you know, shortly after I was in remission, we had our daughter and, you know, then my wife became stay at home mom. And then, um, so the process of when I first, I got cancer till when we actually left California was six years. So within those six years, we were kind of developing, that homesteading mindset, which now I can look back and that's what we were doing, not knowing what we were doing. You know, we were trying to like, Hey, we should figure out how to can food, you know, uh, how to save food, how to grow more of our food. And then we started talking about finding more land somewhere. And, you know, it'd be like a joke. Like we we're like, Hey, it would be cool to have some land and we can maybe grow some more, like maybe of our meat, like have chickens, have eggs, uh, who knows, maybe a cow or something, you know, we didn't know what that looked like. And, and we would joke about it. So within the six years, we kept joking about it. And then we also started thinking more minimally, like certain things didn't matter anymore, right? Like my health, our health mattered, us being happy together as a family mattered. And so, you know, we collected a lot of things, started getting rid of stuff. You know, we, we went down to one car, we got rid of our television you know, slowly in our house, you know, we had a four bedroom house, you know, rooms that we never even went in, you know, got rid of the couches and slowly we're like, you know, eventually we, we didn't, we hardly had anything in our home um, because we were getting rid of it all. We were either yard sales or, or just giving it away because one day we might go find land somewhere and be these farmers or whatever, you know, homesteaders, I don't know. You know, and so eventually we had nothing on the walls. We had our kitchen table left and that was pretty much all in our house. And I said, okay, if we get, if we sell this kitchen table, then I think we're pretty serious about this of finding some land somewhere. And so we sold the kitchen table shortly thereafter. We sold our home and this was a home that we saved and saved. And this was a dream of ours to get this home. And you know, from the course of that six years of when I got cancer, that kind of just shifted our mindset on what we really wanted out of life. And we sold our home and the plan was, we're just going to go find some land. I didn't know where that was going to be. We, you know, we definitely, you know, all, all of our family, both of our families were all kind of in that area and kind of just outside of LA. We all born and, and everyone there, everyone lived there. So, you know, grandma and mom was on the next street over. So the thought of us actually moving away was very like, no, this is, that would never happen, you know. 
And so we, we learned very quickly that if we wanted even an acre, which that's at the time, that's what we were looking for. We could not find it in California. You know, we, we, it's very expensive. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of money and we just felt like it's not going to, that's not going to happen. Even though we looked, um, but we just felt like it, that wasn't the case. And so eventually we found our way to Western North Carolina, which of course is the furthest away you could probably possibly go. And we really fell in love with um, the weather, the four seasons. Um, there's a lot of like-minded people out here that were doing what we wanted to do, uh, which was, you know, there are a lot of small farms, a lot of market gardeners, and um, people really care about their health. Uh, you know, there's no smog, there's water, you know, it's just so much different than California. And so um, we eventually made the move. We we bought one and a half acres and, you know, but, you know, I still had my good paying job. And so I couldn't, I didn't know how to get out of it and move across the country. You know, uh, I could, like working from home was not an option. You know, I tried to find other jobs out here before we moved, but I, I, I couldn't. And so I decided just to quit. You know, I, we basically just quit our jobs, sold most of our stuff and moved our family across the country on one and a half acres, not knowing anybody, not, not having family out here, not having connections, not having friends. And we moved into a rundown single wide mobile home. And the plan was, is that we were just going to figure it out. I don't know what I was going to do for work. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills, but all the only thing we knew is that we wanted to grow a majority of our food. We wanted to be healthy as healthy as we can and be together as a family and try to figure out how to work for ourselves and not go back to an office job. And we've been doing that for the last seven years, um, just trying to figure it out. And we were at that one and a half acres for six years. And last year we just moved to 14 acres and, and we keep growing and we keep doing it. I love it. So you you just kind of took that leap of faith and just like the health got your attention and just like you and, and your wife, y'all were all in on, on let's figure it out. Um, yeah. That is, yep. that's awesome, man. That's, a, you know, to move across the entire country uh, on a leap of faith, that's uh, that's burning the ships, so to speak, you know. They're, that's they're no exactly, all in. So how did... All in. So, how did you start the the YouTube channel? Because you you have you have built a very impressive uh, following, and uh, you know it's very admirable what you've done. So, how did how did that start? Why why did you you start YouTube? Yeah, so YouTube was not like in my radar, not on my mind uh, when we moved out here. But I, I started it about a year after we moved to North Carolina, and that was really because it was for our family back in California because they were, they would still ask us questions. I mean, they were very supportive of us moving out here. You know, they just want us to be happy, of course. Um, and, but they still were like, what are you guys doing out there? You know, like, you know, I don't know if they thought I retired early or something, you know, they were like, what are you doing? Like, you know, we took their four year old daughter away, you know, I mean, granddaughter away, you know, like, 
you know, they didn't understand totally. So I thought, so what I started doing was taking um, little video clips with my phone and like just texting mom, like, hey, this is our garden or this is what we're doing today. And so, you know, that got old after a while. And so about a year later, after we moved, I said, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm just going to post, you know, little clips on there. And so that way my family my mom, my grandma, hey, they, they could see what we're doing, you know, and really it was, it was for them. And slowly from there, I really fell in love with like shooting video, uh, editing video, um, you know, didn't never done that before prior. And it was just really wanting to tell a better story each time and get, try to get better at it. You know, then you upgrade, you know, I started with my iPhone and then you upgrade to a little bit better camera, you know, better audio, stuff like that. And from there, it just kind of grew. And all of a sudden, you know, people slowly starting to see or, or follow you, you know, follow us and subscribe to us. And, and which is, which is wild because it's just not, it wasn't unexpected at all that was totally unexpected um and it's not what you would think could happen because you hear about these things prior to like you know you hear people like making money off of youtube and you think like is that real you know because i never knew anybody who actually did you know and, and you see people post on there but you're like yeah, i don't know if that's real or not so i never really took it serious early on but then as it went and we got more of a following than than I said, man, we, we probably should take this a little bit more seriously because our channel keeps growing and it still does. Yeah. So do you feel like the whole video experience of YouTube has helped this homesteading movement just really explode uh, through the education and through just kind of the example that, because uh, there's, there's quite a few of the really neat homesteading uh, channels. Uh, is that has that been a big player in this movement? Yeah, I believe so for sure. Um, like prior to that, it was maybe what Instagram, um, because I don't think I ever really knew a homesteader YouTube YouTuber uh, prior. Like when we first moved out here, like, like I don't really think I even looked at YouTube, you know, other than to figure out how to build something or make something. Uh, but so I, you know, I didn't never thought that was like a thing. Like people are just kind of sharing their lives online like that. But, um, yeah, I think people see that and they see just ordinary people like living their life. And I think people are feeling inspired by that or not, you know, they're not realizing like, Hey, I could do that. Like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's doing, you know, butchering chickens. Like I, I could do that if he can, you know, and I think that kind of brings it to like a normal level, which is good. Yeah. Do you think that the, um, the homesteading as a, you know, quote unquote business or as, as a enterprise to produce something, so I mean farming, right? Like, so it, I, I guess the difference between homesteading and farming is that the homesteading has an emphasis on self-sufficiency on, on self-reliance is, uh, is the business side of it something that's getting more more attention or more of a focus? And can you make make money uh, this way? Off a of homesteading alone, is that what you're saying? Off homesteading, or or maybe more of that emphasis on using homesteading as an ag business. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a set like line between you're a, are you a farmer or are you a homesteader, you know? And I think it could be both, you know, like, and I think it comes down to doing different things, not, not just doing one specific thing. And that's just something I never really understood prior because I had that one good job and, you know, I wasn't, I didn't understand how you can have multiple streams of income like that. Um, you know, I think one can, yeah, produce food for themselves and be self-sustaining on their homestead, but also grow more food for their community if they wanted to. Um, and also YouTube. I mean, that's a great way of supplementing some of that income as well as just sharing the stuff that you're doing. And there's so many knowledgeable people out there that, man, they need to be sharing it. I think that's just, that's just going to make the world better. I really, if we could all share what we know and, and more and more people are going to realize that and want, want to start something like that. Jason, who, who has been a, a influence on you as far as the cancer and, and dietary guidelines or things that you've utilized to, I mean, remission of, of what, 14 years is, I mean, you know, thank God that that's, it's incredible. So how, how do you apply the diet, uh, towards, towards yourself and family? Yeah, we I think initially we found like Weston A. Price, um, like Sally Fallon, um, that I think there was a book, uh, Nourishing Traditions. Uh, we found that book early on and we kind of based our diet off of that, um, you know, pasture-raised meats, um, minimal grains. Uh, early on, we were like more paleo, I guess. That was kind of popular um, and, you know, gluten-free type things. And still, we eat minimal grains still. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have some land was to raise our own pasture-raised chickens. Because, well, especially in California, even you know, that long ago, four, you know, 14, 13 years ago, uh, you know, it's expensive, you know, uh, buying pasture raised chicken for your dinner table. And so I thought, man, it's gotta be cheaper if I could raise it myself. And so that, yeah, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to move out here. And then, you know, grass fed beef, you know, we raised a couple of steers last year for the first time. And, that was one of our goals, you know, was to get the bigger property and raise more beef for us. Um, and then now, you know, we, we eat a lot of what we grow, of course, not a hundred percent. Um, but definitely all of our meat is what we grow here on the, on our homestead. That's really cool that you bring up Sally and Weston A. Price because with with us, we we went from one extreme to the other. So uh, the China Study was one of the first books that I read, and it was, you know, Meat Causes Cancer. And so mm. it just terrified me for, for the longest. All the way through, uh, you know, reading The Plant Paradox was the first book that really kind of made me question maybe there's more to it on <laughs> on plants. You know, we, we'd mentioned, you know, we think of sugar, we think of uh, uh, gluten, we think of these lectins, phytates, a lot of things in plants that actually cause us harm. Uh, and so that was the first time I started questioning some of that. And then, uh, Jason, I've even experimented, and I'm with carnivore, and 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 actively do, uh, I guess, what could be called like a detox of carnivore. And 
once we've we've visited with like uh, Thomas Seafried, who wrote the metabolic approach to cancer, uh, and his his work really really just kind of lends a lot of credibility to meat doesn't cause cancer, uh, but diet absolutely may plays a massive impact. So when we have these toxins and we don't have the nutrients, we're nutrient deficient. That's when a lot of these chronic diseases rear their heads. So you're able to cut out so much of the just junk and go directly from your your place to your your table and i think that's that's beautiful and contributes so much to to your success oh yeah yeah i i, I even yeah i did uh, carnivore a couple of years ago for three months and you know because i was having some other health issues that and almost thought my cancer was back honestly and, and it didn't end up being that but um, I said, you know, you know, I, I think after going through, you know, the standard way of, you know, going to like a regular doctor or whatever, um, sometimes you're, you're lost, you know, sometimes things are not working at all and you try to find these other ways and that's what like carnivore popped up and I was like, I'm just going to try this, see if this works. And I really feel like it did like kind of reset my body. Uh, even though like, like we don't eat fast food, like we grow most of our food and I'm still having these problems. You know what I mean? Like it, that was just weird. Like I shouldn't be having these issues that I've been having, you know, we eat really good, really healthy. Um, but yeah, we decided, I decided to do carnivore for three months and I really feel like that really helped me a lot. I've seen over and over and over just miraculous results. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've gone into that quite a bit. And so cancer is actually probably what I spend most of my time on, just that, that research. And there, there's so many different factors to all that. And so, like, when we talk about the chronic disease, we talk about these scares and the, the medical, you know, the modern medical system that's there. It's like it's not putting it all together. Uh, and even the diets, no diet is, is necessarily perfect. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of a meat-based diet for lots of reasons. But yeah. when, when, when we really look at health, we cannot break it away from agriculture. We cannot break it away from diet. And, and what Sally has done, and I think, you know, Tom Callen has said some pretty controversial things. Uh, he's he's in the, the Weston A. Price group too. But, uh, you know, a lot of his work just it makes sense, and I think there's a lot of value there. So I think that uh, the, the cancer and chronic disease thing, this, this topic of homesteading, of localism, of getting away from that centralized model, whether it's food, whether it's medicine, and getting back to this uh, local, decentralized way of doing things is part of how we're all going to get better. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think I've, I've met a lot of people who started this homestead lifestyle and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are fed up with the, the food system and they're wanting to just get back to the basics and trying to grow their own food. And like I said before, like you're really not going to know what's in your food unless you grow it, unfortunately, or, or, you know, I guess if you know, you have, you got a relationship with your farmer, that's a good way too. Absolutely. So, Jason, question: Since you've been you've been in this for a while, and then uh, you're you're in North Carolina, what what would you do? Say you were the Secretary of Ag of North Carolina, what would be the biggest change? That first thing to make things better. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, 
honestly, I think, I think raising our own meat as far as, as far as processing, like butchering, um, you know, I'm not too versed in, in too many of the laws, like to be able to sell it. But from my understanding is that, you know, like I can't, I can't raise, say, a steer, butcher it myself and sell it, right? Like I have to, you know, be inspected. I have to take it to a USDA facility uh, and they process it and then I can sell it after that. But I feel like it should be up to the customer. Like if someone came to me and be like, I want to buy a whole cow from you and I don't care if you butcher it or not. I trust you. Uh, I trust, you know, your sanitary and stuff like that. Like I want to buy it from you. I want to support you. I know you do it. You know, I know you raise these animals in a good, healthy way. Why can't I just buy it from you? I mean, legally you can't do that. And so I feel like it should be up to the customer and the farmer. If, if they're both okay with it, then that should be fine. But it's not. I agree wholeheartedly. I think I think that is such a, a bottleneck of well, it just it, it lends back to the whole centralization of uh, we we don't have control of our own food. Somebody else is dictating how we eat, and it's just it's just a mess. Um, yeah. So I think that's uh, beautiful, and I, I couldn't agree more on that. Brother, what kind of resources have been the most uh, beneficial for you as you've learned these homesteading uh, skills? And and what are what are maybe like the top two skills you've learned that we all all need to know if we want to be more self sufficient? Yeah, I would say definitely. You know, when you if you move to a newer area or if you're in a certain area, like my neighbors, you know, like reaching out to local people who have been doing this thing like either homesteading or farming for many more years than we have. And being that we didn't know anybody around here, you know, I would hit up the local farmers markets and just maybe I not buy anything, but like I would hang out and just introduce myself to these farmers and be like, Hey, what's up? You know, like you, you know, like I even like work for free at a local farm when we first moved out here just to gain knowledge you know, like how are they growing food out here in this weather and then in a new environment and stuff like that? What are they growing? And, and just, they're just so willing and nice to just share their knowledge on how they're doing stuff. And so reaching out to people like that, I know it could be difficult, especially if you're a new person coming in. Um, but if you hang around long enough, you know, you, you'll, you'll meet some people and they're more than willing to share what they know. And so that's a good option is to actually meet people in real life um, and sharing knowledge that way. Or, or, you know, a good way is to, you know, have a potluck, have your neighbors over, and you, it's amazing who you connect with uh, right away, you know. Um, and then I would say a skill that uh, I think, I mean, if you eat meat, I think butchering an animal is important to know whether, whether you're going to raise an animal or not, you, you might not have, you know, you might, you, you might not want to raise an animal and butcher it yourself. And that's fine. It's not for everybody, but if you're going to eat meat and buy it at the store or, you know, farmer's market or farm, whatever, um, 
I think it's good to know how that process is done. At least, at least try it one time. You know, a good way of doing it is if you have a neighbor that does it, ask them if you can come and help. Or if there's a hands-on workshop, you know, workshops are popping up, it seems like, um, you know, go to a workshop and just to try it and see how it looks and be around it, uh, you know, not just look at a video, you know, you can look at YouTube videos all day long, but there's nothing like in real life, um, seeing how to even a chicken, like process a chicken, um, or a pig or a cow or something like that. Uh, that is a lost skill. Definitely that we're, many of us are trying to get back that thing that we lost. It's the same thing with growing food too. Like it's just a lost skill overall. Yeah, I love that. I love how you're putting on these educational workshops too. What what do you gain from putting on the workshops? And what what do or is the biggest takeaway when people come visit the farm and experience a full day of whether it's processing chickens or I think you got hogs coming up, different different things. What what's that big takeaway there? Yeah, it's amazing to hear the people's stories. Um because you know, again, I I I film a lot of this stuff on our channel, and so I like filming those days. Uh, even though that are hard to film because, you know, you still can't show, you know, you can't be too graphic on butcher day when you, when you're showing on, on these videos, you know? Um, but you know, just hearing people's stories of like, Hey, why are you here? Like, why, why are you wanting to learn how to butcher a chicken, you know, or, or, a or a pig, you know, and just hearing their stories of, of, of why, um, has been an inspiration to me. Um, to be like, okay, you know, like, you know, it's weird because they'll usually they follow us on our YouTube channel, you know, and, and they want to come here and like see, see our place. And, and I'm showing them also how to, they want to learn how to butcher a chicken say, um, but it, it's like, we have this connection already, you know, I don't, I don't know them personally. They probably know more about me than I know about them, but but I feel like we have this connection already because they're here and they're wanting to learn this, this skill. Um, and so that, that's, that's been a huge inspiration to, to us. And honestly, it makes me want to do more of it. That's beautiful, man. Well, thank you for all that you do, all that you put out the the tenacity to just keep pushing through over and over, uh, is, uh, just so admirable, man. So, Thank you for taking the time to visit with us. And where where can we send everybody to learn more about you and Sow the Land? Yeah, you can check us out on YouTube. Just type up Sow the Land and we should pop up. And also uh, SowTheLand.com is our website where we have all of our stuff on there. You know, we have a lot of things that we sell. We, we make stuff here. Um, all of our online classes are on there and events that we do throughout the year. And also, you know, on Instagram and all the social medias, we're all there. Thank you for joining us on Sewing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to SewingProsperity.com. Thank you for listening to the Sewing Prosperity podcast. We hope that you have learned something new and that you are inspired to adopt regenerative practices in your community. Remember that by working together, we can create a sustainable and abundant future for ourselves and for future generations.